it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio. Dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now, here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Well, thank you, Mark Larson and Southern California. Welcome back to another Sunday edition of Rod Real Radio. Both Wendy and I are very pleased that you chose some of your Sunday night, especially on this Easter Sunday, to be with us. We've got a Great show lined up for you tonight. We appreciate you tuning in. It's an all-live show tonight. I know the past uh, few weeks we've had some recorded shows, but they've been excellent shows. If you missed any of them, just go to rodreelradio.com on the archive page and just listen to some of the guests that we had because it was top-notch stuff. Hey, we do have a great show lined up for you this evening, starting right out of the gate Mr. John Campbell, director of the International Yellowtail Derby for 2016, he's going to be with us. He's going to update us on all the happenings going on with the Yellowtail Derby this season. And then at 6 p.m., we are going to have a legend in the fishing industry. Mr. Rick Clun is going to be with us, pro angler. At 69 years old, Rick just won the BASS Elite Tournament on the St. John's River he is probably one of the most winningest pros that are that have been on the circuit. We're going to talk with Rick. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the early days and then talk a little bit about the event on the St. John's. As always, Phil Friedman and Captain James Nelson will be with us. But before we get to the first guest, let me introduce to you the co-host of Rod and Reel Radio. She is the Southern California or the National Sales Manager for Iserline, she's a great sportsman in her own right. Wendy Toshahara. Wendy, how you doing tonight, ma'am? I'm doing great. I was in your neck of the woods yesterday looking for a turkey. Didn't find one, so I ended up at Lori's and played with hers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, Wendy, it was great uh, seeing you at, at the shows this past month. You know, I think we got a chance to see more of each other at these shows that we normally do through the radio show, because a lot of people don't realize that we are normally uh, broadcasting from remote locations, both of us. So it was great to be able to be with you and do some interviews with you. Yeah, you know, that was a lot of fun, and it's a great place because everybody was there. Oh, yeah. Hey, well, let's get right on to the show because we want to get this guy on. I think it was eight years ago. He was looking around. He says, you know, there used to be a great event in San Diego called the Yellowtail Derby. 
started, I think, in 1946, 1947, went till at least 1972 or so, and then it just kind of fizzled up and, and and it is a great event that happens down here on the San Diego landings. Let's bring him on to the show, the director of the 2016 International Yellowtail Derby, John Campbell. John, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. Uh, really appreciate it, John. And uh, Wendy, how are you doing? Good to, good to talk to you as well. And, I'm doing uh, great, John. Great to have you. Hey, well, John. Thank you. It, there, there can't. Can you think of a better time to be running a yellowtail derby than the next couple of months that we have coming on up? Oh my goodness! It's so exciting because already, already in January, some big fish have been landed, and there's so much bait in the water, and uh, red crab and big red bait and squid and stuff that uh, as an IGFA rep. I expect to see more line class world records set. We already have one already uh, submitted, and that was for that 74-2 uh, white sea bass. That's that's in and being judged uh, right now. So wow. it's going to be it's going to be a, another banner year, I expect. John, if you will, give me some uh, give us some details about the Yellowtail Derby. When it's going to be uh, uh, kicked off, and how long it's going to run, and then different uh, ways that people can enter, and there are different categories in the Yellowtail Derby this year. That's right. Uh, uh, we have in the past uh, had three fish, Yellowtail Derby, plus uh, others. We've had albacore on there a couple of times, but never showed. Like it was like a wannabe fish. So uh, uh, the last. Uh, like three years, we've had a good assortment of uh, yellowtail, uh, white sea bass, and halibut, and that's turned out to be uh, very popular, and uh, it's got some some great catches. So this year, we're we're back with that, but uh, as you intimated to me, and we talked a little bit uh, before the show, it seems like there's been a new new, uh, catch coming on the bluefin tuna. Uh, that have been showing. So, you know, uh, uh, I'm the one that can uh, add bluefin tuna, and I might even just put down tuna. Wow, great. It could be yellowfin, bluefin, or albacore. Man, John, that is exciting uh, uh, to open up another category like that. And not only that, it's great for the sponsors to stand behind you to do that because, you know, you got great people behind this thing. But, you know, tell us a little bit about when it starts off and, and okay. some of the other details. All right. The, uh, this year we've added a day. So it's uh, last year was 36 days. Now it's going to be 37 days. It starts <laughs> April 30th, Saturday, and runs through Sunday, June 5th, with the awards on uh, Monday, June, uh, June uh, 6th. That's because Larry got booked up. Uh, uh, can't do it on Sunday. He's just got weddings and stuff going on. So, anyway, Valley High. Uh, when it's going to start is uh, April 27th. We have a pre-party and seminar at the Valley High. It's a Wednesday night, and uh, everybody's invited to come down. If you're not involved, not in an entry enter yet, you can come down and listen to the seminars. Uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, 
6.30 at the Valley High, and we'll have some, a lot of good speakers, and uh, plus uh, uh, Mr. John Cassidy, who actually fished in the... John, you've always been our MC, and I, I, I love it, and I, I appreciate it, and thank you for that. Uh, uh, we'll have uh, uh, Chris Randall again come down, and he's yes. pretty excited speaker, and we'll have several others as well. Uh, we've got a full array, like we did last year, of sponsors, including our new title sponsor, which is really exciting. Uh, Towboat U.S., which was a former vessel assist, has come up, and they're going to be our title sponsor. So it's the Towboat U.S. Yellowtail Derby 2016 this year, and we're going red. Uh, all the all the tees will be red. Will be provided by Towboat. Uh, U.S. So uh, it's going to, we're having a, a red look this year. So it's a it's pretty it's going to be a very exciting uh, and, and and a big big year. Uh, so you can go go online, yellowtailderby.com or internationally Yellowtail Derby, either one, and sign up there uh, until April 31st. It's sixty dollars. That's your early bird discount. Uh, I've got a special for uh, for uh, uh, Listeners to Rod and Reel Radio, we can uh, we can extend that deadline till April April eighth, uh, but it, it can only be by cash or check. Then, uh, with with an entry form, you can go online and print out an entry form, uh, or stop by Rod, uh, Angler's Choice. Excuse me, Angler's Arsenal, and pick up an entry form and. Uh, uh, Mail it in or drop it off there at uh, Angler's Arsenal, and for sixty dollars, uh, you'll be be, in, be involved in it. Otherwise, it goes to eighty dollars as of April first, and we need everybody to get signed in by like April fifteenth, so they get. We're going to order all the T-shirts then, and have them printed. So. All right, well, John. Uh, just uh, just to clarify, the basic entry fee uh, for this is normally eighty dollars. But yes. if people sign up through uh, yelltellderby.com or go to one of the tackle stores and get the money into you, or they can also order, I think they can, uh, can they use their credit cards uh, over the, uh, yes. the inter- credit card, uh, debit card, uh, it's all fine uh, on, online, uh, or they can come into the shop, or they can write it, write it in, put a check, uh, whatever. Uh, we accept all forms of, of payment. That's not a problem. And then uh, you got a special for Rod, pardon me, uh, Wendy, just to finish. You got a special for Ron Real Radio listeners. You will extend the deadline to April 8th, and uh, all they have to do is say, hey, we listen to Ron Real Radio, or say Easter Bunny, and they'll get that <laughs> extended period. That's right, but it, I can't do it online. Oh. Extended. All right. Uh, they, they have to. They have to send 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 the entry form into you, or you know, online. As long as it says Easter Bunny, they'll still get the sixty bucks. All entry. right, that sounds like a deal. Now, Wendy, you had a question. Well, I'm going to enter this year because I'm actually going to be hey. in town this year for your banquet. So usually I, I, I have a con- confliction, so I usually can't make it. But I'm going to enter this year, and so I want to know what are the boundaries. The boundaries are 50 miles south of the point, 50 miles west of the point, 
and the Orange County line. Okay. And, Wendy, if you're going to enter, what is the secret word to get the discount for entering in this year's Yellowtail Derby? Easter Bunny. Yeah, you get it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, John, this has been a a great event, and I know a lot of times uh, we talk about you know, you have these tournaments, and you think that it's just all male fishermen. But I've got to tell you, the female fishermen have done extremely well in this event over the past seasons. Yes, they have. Uh, we had a lady uh, come in second last year uh, in the Yellowtail Division, uh, Katerina Eckert, uh, came in second. She on an open party boat. This this gal is is just a Incredible angler, and uh, they they love her down there at uh, at uh, Point Loma Sport Fishing. Oh yeah, and uh, going out all the time. Plus, we have Nancy Ortiz, another she's a, a police officer, and uh, she's she's uh, in halibut and white sea bass and uh, yellowtail, uh, competing in all three areas, and she's she's really aggressive. So. Uh, so there, there, there they are. Uh, Rick Maxa, uh, he, he caught the largest fish last year. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be back again or not. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, we're going to have some, some real real top anglers out there, and uh, uh, it's going to be exciting. The uh, April 27th, Valley High. And uh, what, what other questions you got for me? The... Uh... Uh, you can enter as a private boater. You can enter on an open party boat. Or this year you have a division for kayakers. But how do kayakers and private boaters get their fish certified, John? Uh, they have to have to be weighed in uh, with the with the uh, witness They're on land. It's not no no fish can be uh, handheld uh, on on the water. So they've got to be weighed in the best. Some of the best places to be weighed in are Angler's Arsenal, uh, has is, a, is an official weigh station, uh, the Marlin Club. Uh, open party people can request, all the landings have, uh, have scales. You just have the captain request that the scales be ready when the boat comes in. Don't, don't have your fish uh, you know, filleted or anything because <laughs> you lose a lot of weight. But... Uh, um, so the, all that, uh, Marlin Club, Dana Landing, uh, English Choice has a scale. So uh, all those different places. And any any, any other questions, uh, you know, call me. Uh, my my number is on all, all the information online, and I'm at 619-991-5480. You know, John, with, with their entry fee, too, and this is one thing that you've put together that's always impressive, not only... Do you get the uh, the kickoff dinner at the uh, Bally High that's also sponsored by Ballast Point? But then when it comes to the award celebration, that's also another uh, big affair at the Bally High restaurant. Uh, and again, sponsored by Bally Point, uh, Ballast Point. So you, you get not only uh, uh, a, two great affairs to go to, but at each one you have a fantastic raffle for all the people that have been entered in the contest. And then, over the years, some of the great prizes and cash that you have given out to the winners and the 
other placements in these categories has just been phenomenal. I mean, you just go all out and with the help of your sponsors to to make this a pretty big affair that they're fishing they're fishing for some really nice stuff. Yep, uh, Cousins Rod has been really good uh, sponsor, and um, uh, a lot of their their uh, people that they work with um, uh, come up with some great prizes. Uh, Bell's Point, you know, the we weigh in the winning angler. We put them on a fulcrum, and uh, it was pretty exciting last year with Rick Max. I didn't realize how, how big a guy he was. <laughs> But he, he, he maxed out. Uh, <laughs> and the, the winning angler gets weighed in, and they get their weight in Ballast Point tail ale. It's the winning angler who catches the largest yellowtail. So, wow. uh, so it's, a, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and the guys, I mean, everybody seems to get more excited about getting the beer, which is not that, uh, that much you know, value to it. <laughs> The winner, the winner gets about four to five thousand dollars in cash and prizes, trips and stuff and gear and rods and reels and this and that. But uh, they love the fact that they get their weight and they get their name on the trophy. They've got a great trophy; it's a perpetual trophy, and uh, they'll get a nice certificate um, that I do for uh, the uh, IGFA. Uh, gold embossed uh, certificate that shows that they're the winner, and uh, so like that. So it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And John, really thank you because uh, you know the history. You fished in the Yellowtail Derby, the original one from '46 to to '73, uh, and no reason, no no nobody knows why. Of course, the he was put on by the Junior Chamber of Commerce. Nobody really knows why. Yeah, that 73 was the last year because it was a great year, and there's no records that they kept. The only way I researched everything was in the newspaper. From the- well, John, uh, we're going to keep on uh, promoting you here at Ron Real Radio, but before we let you go, one other big announcement is a big tradition of the Yellowtail Derby has been Miss Yellowtail. And yeah. there is a Miss Yellowtail for 2016. Who is that? Thank you. Thank you for reminding me about that. Um, uh, the, the new yellow, Miss Yellowtail is uh, Sierra Church, uh, Church, excuse me. It's C-I-A-R-A Church, and she's the daughter of Ray and Jill Broadfoot. Um, a great gal, really, really cute. You can see the picture of her online, and uh, she'll be at the uh, day at the docks, and she'll be uh, at the, the, the April 27th uh, pre-party and at the awards, helping pass, pass out everything. A great young gal. Uh, she fished with her parents on their boat and uh, actually worked, has a, has a job. She's, you know, she's a senior, senior at Mission Hills High School. So uh, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and a very, very nice young lady. Well, if you missed any of these details, just go to yellowtailderby.com. The thing you want to know about is that you can still get in on the early entry by going to yellowtailderby.com or stopping by here at Angler's Arsenal and, and paying with us, mentioning uh, that you heard it on Rod and Reel Radio or 
mention Easter Bunny and you will get a $60 entry. And then after that, it goes up to $80. You'll be able to sign up until the uh, actual day of the uh, kickoff banquet, which is going to be April the 27th at the Bally High. But why would you want to do that? Uh, sign up early and, and get that discount. But the banquet is at on the 27th. And then the days for fishing of the Derby are April 30th through June the 5th. And it'll all culminate with a grand celebration at the Bally High restaurant on uh, uh, that's June the 6th. So, John, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, if people want more information, again, they can go to yellowtailderby.com. Or you're going to be a day at the docks, and that's a great time to, to talk with you and to meet Miss Yellowtail Derby for 2016, Kara Church. That's right. And, uh, and uh, also, uh, uh, you'll, you'll be able to take pictures with her. Um, and, and also, there's... There's a, you can you can sign up during the tournament. Uh, often uh, we've had we had one year a uh, teacher signed up, went fishing the next to last day, went out once on a kayak, caught the largest fish, and he and he, he, he didn't drink uh, any and he didn't drink beer. Well, so he he got uh, nine cases of beer and had. And football parties. <laughs> well, you know, if you were going to be going out between now and June 5th, either fishing for yellowtail, white sea bass, halibut, or now tuna, it is just inexcusable that you don't enter the 2016 Yellowtail uh, Derby. And, John, we appreciate you being with us and giving us the detail on this uh, event. I mean, I'm already fired up to fish it. It's going to be fun. Well, I hope you do, and I hope you do well. And uh, look forward to seeing you again, John, uh, very soon and uh, at the uh, April 27th uh, kickoff. All right. John Campbell, director of the 2016 International Yellowtail Derby. Hey, that's it for the first segment of Rod Real Radio. Stay tuned for Phil Friedman. He's coming on up with What the Heck is Phil Thinking? He's going to have a sensational report tonight because there are things happening out there in the ocean you need to hear about. So stay tuned. More to come after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks no matter what you're hauling or towing for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert now get special savings on every f-series truck in stock 150s 250s 350s at el cajon ford we have commercial trucks too including the all-new transit connect finally a commercial van with great mileage helping your business get moving again el cajon ford worth the short drive from anywhere in southern california broadway and east maine at el cajon or online anytime anywhere at el cajon ford.com. 
Gabakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gabakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gabakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gabakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gabakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has the new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Real Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. And everybody, welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. Wendy Toshahar is with us tonight. Stan is off tonight. He is uh, dealing with some family business. So, Stan, we look forward to having you on next week. And now we want to go right to the voice himself of PFL Radio with what the heck is Phil thinking. Here he is in person, Phil Friedman. Phil, how you doing tonight? Hey, John. Happy Easter to you and to Wendy and to everybody out there. It's a great day and some incredible sport fishing going on, isn't there? Oh, man, it is. But Phil, first of all, I want to thank you for your hospitality when we go by uh, your booth at both the Fred Hall and the Long Beach Show, invite us to sit down. If we needed a beverage, you were there. Uh, we got a chance to chit-chat. It, these shows, and, and Wendy and I talked about it earlier, are, are great because we don't normally get a chance to see a lot of each other during the, the course of uh, you know the weeks and months that go by, and it was great being able to see you and chit-chat in person. It, and thank you always for your hospitality. Oh, you know, it was really nice to see you and Wendy, and, and you know, we had an addition to our booth, first time in 30 years, 
that we put couches in there. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> there will never, ever be another Phil Freeman Outdoors booth without a couch. And not only because I'm getting older and it was nice to sit down, but it actually turned out really great. And, and I resisted that in the past because I like to stand out and shake hands and meet everybody. But, John, it turned out really great because you could say, hey, come on in, take a seat. And people had the sense that they were sitting in your living room and chatting, and it really turned out great. And I got to do quite a bit of that with you and so many other great people that you brought by the booth. And people like Frank LaPresse, they came by, and Bob Fletcher, and so many others. It really turned out great. And once again, Bart Hall, he did such a wonderful job with his wife Jenny and the rest of the crew. Mike Lum and everybody else. Just, I, I really, I don't know. These these Fred Hall shows this past year were the best that I think I've been a part of. They seem to get better in every single year, but it was really a lot of fun and great seeing you there, as always, my friend. Well, thank you, Phil. But talking about the best ever, you know, we did a lot of interviews, uh, Stan, Wendy, and I, with a lot of people during these shows, uh, and especially with the skippers going on out. And I've got to tell you, there was maybe one of them that said, I hope the fishing is as good in 2016 as it was in 2015. But as a whole, all the others were looking at you. They'd have a little glimmer in their eye and a smile on their uh, face and said, I think it's going to be better. And right now, out of the gate, not looking too bad. What do you hear? Well, I'm telling you, I mean, the dilemma that the boats in San Diego have right now, their dilemma in March, you know, so we're just coming out of winter, and now here we are into the just the very first part of spring. It's Easter, and the dilemma they have is whether they should go down to Punta Colonnette, 120 miles down, and have excellent yellowtail like the Pacific Queen had with 158 big yellows, oh. now eating the surface iron. And they're eating the yo-yo probably best of all, but eating the surface iron, eating a fly line sardine, and then topping off and putting some color in the holes with some great rock fishing, or going for bluefin tuna in the 15 to 30 pound class because the top 1080 and Bobby Tapp went outside, found a really nice nugget early in the day at 16 fish before 8 o'clock in the morning, yeah. and then topped off with limits of bluefin tuna. And of course, most all the boats now are deciding to go offshore, and everybody's starting to schedule trips. The fever's taking place down in San Diego for the bluefin. Of course, the New Mexican regs allow anglers to keep two fish per rod, and it's an exciting march. And, John, i, I got to agree with you. It looks like we could perhaps be headed toward a better year, the way things are shaping up. There's plenty of warm water around. And tuna in March, limited tuna. I mean, if it was a dab of tuna, I would be excited but limited tuna on the Top Gun 80, and several boats will get out there. And, you know, uh, I know we, we have sophisticated devices now, and we can pinpoint where the warm water is, but it's still a really big ocean. And I get the sense that if you throw a big fleet out there and get some coverage, who knows what we're going to bump into here in the coming week and the coming month. It should be a really, really exciting spring, and we're already off to the races. You know, San Clemente Island, some of the guys out there, uh, one of the boats, the Thunderbird, was having some tough fishing here the last uh, during the past week. So they got out in the rock cod zone, and one guy decided to yo-yo an iron, and he caught a giant yellowtail. So that opened the door, some big yellowtail on the yo-yo iron at San Clemente Island. That has been going really well. And, and I like the 100 Barracuda the San Diego had 
fishing the Coronado Islands. He also had 11 yellowtail, and there's a lot of yellows around, but they haven't been chewing that well. And they also wander down the coast and hit areas like the Fingerbank. But barracuda are a springtime type of signal. They're a springtime fish. They call them the poor man's wahoo, but I love catching gar on the iron. It's a lot of fun, and especially if that starts to move into half-day range for the local anglers, that could really be something phenomenal, and hopefully that springtime bite will kick off and then maybe be followed with some good sand bass fishing. Catalina, Sport King today, 20 yellowtail. Sea lions have been a problem over there, and it's not the big-grade yellowtail for the most part. It's smaller fish. Pursuit was up over 25 yellowtail last time I looked at that. And a lot of uh, the guys are trying to keep a lid on this, but it's Rod and Real Radio, and it's Easter. So let's give everybody a present. There has been a little dab of squid there off the east end of Catalina Island. Now, we're not seeing any squid anyway. In fact, it's tough to buy frozen squid right now. There's such a lack of it due to the warm water and the El Nino conditions. So I'm not so sure that this is a big deal, but... There's been a little bit there and a few sea bass taken on that last full moon when we had the grunion run and we had everything else going on. So that looks in the Channel Islands, great rock fishing, some yellows, periodical hits up there on nice yellowtail for the Aloha Spirit, Pacific Islander, the Mirage, all the boats up there out of Channel Islands are just phenomenal rock fishing with this really good weather. And, John, I mentioned the grunion run. The surf fishing here in Surfside has been picking up. Uh, day by day. On, on uh, Saturday, we had a gathering here. We're preparing for a uh, surf fishing tournament we're going to have on May 7th. So we had a bunch of people over, and about 12 went out there. Now, i got to tell you, not one of those people caught a surf fish. It was a slow morning, and they worked hard, and they were good fishermen. Cruz Soto and Rick Fuentes is a really good fisherman. Bob Osborne goes down there. Osborne now has 11 straight days of catching fish, including today. He oh caught four nice, big, fat yellowfin croaker while all 12 people caught nothing. Yesterday was that day, so I said, enough of this. So I went out last night, and I took one of these smaller new deception jigs because there was uh, it was really windy condition, so I thought like a little one-ounce jig like that I could throw pretty far. And I ended up with four last night. Tatiana Torres, who's one of our co-hosts on our Spanish radio show, got to catch her first surfish, so it was pretty fun. And this morning... Osborne was at it again. He had another five nice yellowfin croaker in the surf here, biting the crocodile. His secret, he's going to kill me, his secret has been the gold cast master lately. They've really been biting this three-quarter ounce gold cast master really, really well. So that's good to see that starting to kick into gear. And May 7th, we are going to have a big surf fishing tournament out of Big Fish Bait and Tiger. You can get more information on PFO Media, PFORadio.com, either one of those uh, URLs will work for you. But, John, I mean, you know, <laughs> what a dilemma to have here in March. Bluefin or yellowtail, some uh, yellows spread all up and down the coast of the Oceanside 95 at 21 yellows, fish in San Clemente Island. It just seems like it's perfect. And if we can stay away from a lot of wind, we normally do get windy springtime conditions. But if we can maintain the water temps that we have, it looks like we are off to the races, and as you said at the beginning of my segment, this could be a better year than last year, and that would be phenomenal. You know, Phil, we even want to remind our listeners that uh, Chuck Taft's Sea Adventure 2 has made it up to Pierpoint Landing, and they're going to be working out of Pierpoint Landing, I think, until the end of June. 
they went out on their maiden voyage and they whacked the yellowtail for the first time going up there. So if you want to get aboard a really great boat out of Pierpoint Landing, it's the Sea Adventure 2. You can call up Sea Adventure Sports Fishing at 760-753-8394 or get a hold of Pierpoint Landing and book on the Sea Adventure 2 because I've got to tell you, it's a sweet ride. And when they start getting uh, zeroing in on those fish, they're going to do it. But, hey, Phil, what were the uh, the class of uh, the, the fish that uh, Bobby Taft caught on out there on uh, the Top Gun 80? Decent fish, 15 to 30 in that size range. Uh, really nice fish, evidence of fish over a wide area, sonar marks, some fish on the surface, and it really, really looks juicy out there. And, and as I pointed out, John, Bobby's just a heck of a fisherman. Uh, he's really on it, and, and he proves that year in and year out. But one boat out there, man, that is a tough job. I mean, I my hat's off to him for making that score. And now we're going to put some coverage out there. And with that coverage, you may find more fish. You may find bigger grade fish. You may find other species. It will be very, very interesting to see. And uh, it's uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see even an albacore or two uh, with the water temperature we have there. I know albies have been out of our picture because this warm water just drives them up north. And, and that's per- perhaps the likely scenario here. But uh, here in the early spring, uh, the water's cooling up where we might see a long fin or two, and that would certainly add some spice to this whole thing. But for now, limits to bluefin. We'll take it, 15 to 30-pound grades, nice fish. Bites the fly line sardine really, really well. We'll eat the yo-yo iron, something with some chrome in it. Usually works best for offshore tuna. And it was just phenomenal fishing, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen when we put a little bit more coverage on it. It should be very interesting here in the week to come. Well, Phil, I had the opportunity to stop by the Sea Adventure booth at Long Beach and and talk to uh, both Chuck and Bobby and his son Steve that were there, who's now skippering the boat. And they had a gleam in their eye, and they were telling me they knew where the bluefin were and that they were going to run a boat out, uh, one of the boats out, uh, just right after the Fred Hall uh, Del Mar show and they think they could get on them, and sure enough, you know, these guys have been around for a long time, and you give them the opportunity to go out there and get them, and boy, they do know how to do it. Well, I mean, just look at them. You can see by looking at them, they've been around a long time. <laughs> Sorry, Chuck, Bobby. I couldn't resist. Just yeah. a little joke. No, hey, I remember sitting out in my car with Bobby Taft, probably, oh, my man, oh my God, circa 1990 doing interviews on a big yellowtail head he had uh, out at Clemente or, or something like that. Bobby probably remembers that better than me, but they have been around, and they get that intel. They're, they're, they're not the kind of guys that sit back and wait. They're always looking for the info. They're digging around, and that's such an important part of this whole thing, to get that intel and figure it out, and then they go out there and make it happen, and that is great, John. That doesn't, that doesn't surprise me one bit about those two guys. They are all over it, and again, Having the Sea Adventure up here out of Pierpoint, about 15 minutes from where we're broadcasting from right now, is great. A San Diego operation up here out of Long Beach is an awesome thing, and no doubt they're going to have some great fish in the rest of the year. And these guys are all great with the information. They share it because when one boat does well, they want to share the wealth. They want all the boats to do well and the fleet to do well because uh, that's just the way the Tafts are. Hey, uh, uh, Phil? 
If we want to learn more about uh, Phil Friedman Outdoors, uh, listen to your Spanish broadcast, uh, get the latest up-to-date on your your blog, uh, uh, where do we go? Hey, John, really easy. You can go to pforadio.com or PFO on Facebook. If you want the uh, Spanish version, for all the folks out there who habla español, you can do that by going to aventurasalarelibre.com or aventurasalarelibre on Facebook. And, uh, of course, we broadcast in Espanol on AM 690 every Friday evening at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. And, of course, we're on YouTube, Instagram, and all the other social media sites. So you can catch us on all those various venues. And, uh, as always, it is a pleasure to be with you here on Rod and Rail Radio, to be with Wendy here on Rod and Rail Radio. And I look forward to uh, seeing you again really, really soon, my friend. That's going to be great, Phil, and we want to thank you. We know it's uh, uh, Easter holiday, taking you away from the family in order to talk to us about fishing. Thank you so much, and we look forward to speaking to you next week, if not during the week. John, between you and I, I don't mind you taking me away from the family. I'm just glad <laughs> this isn't during the Notre Dame-North Carolina game, because <laughs> you would have been in trouble. All right. Phil Friedman with What the Heck is Phil Thinking About. Phil, thanks a lot for being with us. Hey, time to take another break right now, but coming up next, Captain Jim Nelson. He's going to be with us. The fish icon with the Southern California Inshore Report, and it might even be a Southern California Freshwater Report. Stay tuned. More Rod Reel Radio to come. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovet reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. My Angler H2O. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. 
This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Wendy and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. You know, just one quick note. If you don't have the Rockley's fish release system in your boat, you're missing something. The state of Alaska just came into uh, uh, the Rockleys people again and placed another huge order with them for release systems because they want to make sure that every commercial and private boater that's on the water in the state of Alaska has a bear trauma release device. And the one that they uh, give out and the ones that they sell there are the Rockley system. Rockley systems are available throughout Southern California at your local tackle dealers. Come in and ask for it. They're not really that expensive, but what they do to help maintain the fishery is incredible. That's the Rockley Sparatrauma Release System. And now it's time for the fish icon himself. We've missed him for the past couple of weeks because we've been doing recorded shows and whatever else, but he's with us tonight, Captain. And James Nelson. Captain James, welcome to the show. Hey, John, Wendy, Stan, everybody out there, how you doing? <laughs> hey, we're doing great. But, you know, a lot of times we get the opportunity to talk about what's happening in the local inshore waters, but you had, a time, you had the opportunity to go to one of probably my most favorite places in the, in the southwest here on a different type of a trip. You want to tell us a little bit about what you did? Yeah, actually, uh, it was Southern California still, so, you know, it, it, it does apply. It was San Bernardino, San Bernardino County, but uh, a little bit more inland. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, staying in an area that it's actually a town called Earp. I've never seen the town there, but uh, there's uh, along the, that whole stretch, there's a bunch of different RV parks we stayed at one. I love it. Places Emerald Cove. We always go there every year, right on the Parker Strip, uh, the Lower Colorado River there, and it's just fantastic. It's just uh, it's a uh, a good little getaway, and it's something we like to do this time of year and get away and it's my my little rest before uh, before I, I get ready for a busy week ahead, and uh, it's going to get busy from here on out. So it was it was a nice rest. And sorry if I sound like I've got lazy voices because you know. I'm just looking at the stuff I got to do to get ready for a full day trip tomorrow. Oh my! <laughs> and uh, you know, party time's over. Time to get back to work. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> if for a lot of people that don't know or aren't familiar with where the Parker Strip is, uh, uh, right uh, between the California Arizona border, there is a town called Parker. You can, uh, you know, get to it by either going across the desert or going right on up. Uh, you know, Highway 93 to get to it. And then from Parker, going all the way up to the uh, Parker Dam, which holds back uh, Lake Havasu, it's probably about a 15 to 17-mile stretch of the natural Colorado River, the way it was, you know, way back when. But there are a number of landings on both the California and the Arizona side where you can camp, they have great launch facilities, but one of the things about the strip is it has incredible fishing. The 
The northern part of the uh, strip, which is up towards uh, Lake Havasu, the water comes out of the Parker Dam at like, uh, I don't know, 42 degrees. So that water is really cold, and the smallmouth really love it there. And then as the river goes along, it backs up a little bit before it goes to Parker. You get a lot of backwaters. You get a lot of tulies. And then that's where you get the opportunity to maybe catch some really nice greenback bass. And then all between that is all kinds of stripers. And, and Jim, I saw some pictures of you with your family and family members of some really, really nice fish there. Uh, we have caught some nice fish. Uh, I took the boys up to Lake Havasu because, uh, you know, guys were talking about the good flathead fishing down below. And we had that full moon coming, so the boys and I went up to Havasu, collected a few bluegill, because this, for whatever reason, probably because the water is still a little chilly on this trip, we just could not find the bluegill on the on the strip like we normally do. They're normally around at just about every dock or uh, tule outcropping, but this year just could not find any bluegill down there. But I know they're always at Havasu, um, and sometimes you luck into those big, you know, world record class sunfish. So. They're always good for Fish Taco Friday. But uh, what we ended up doing was uh, getting a few of the smaller bluegill that we could for that. And then on uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday night, the nights that I was that was going to be able to go, it blew 40 miles an hour all night Tuesday. And then a good uh, just maintained all of Wednesday. All of Wednesday, we just got pretty much blown out. And uh, being up there when it's blowing like that, you know, the sad thing about it is it's too windy to go golfing, too. So, you know, you just hang out at the pool and just relax. And, you know, to get me to sit down for more than 20 minutes, even on vacation, is something. But I got a chance to do that Wednesday. Well, you know, <laughs> anyone that's been in that area to play golf over there at Emerald Cove, they know that the uh, course is built going up to a lot of the, the canyons that lead into the river. And it's a beautiful golf course. To play, you have to be half mountain goat to do it. So a, a cart is recommended, but it it's a fun golf course. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's just such a nice, relaxing area that it's just fun to fun to get out on. You know, if anybody knows the my my kind of trips when when I take someone guiding, I'm not fishing. I'm not one of those guys that stands on the bow, you know, and tells my customer to get the net when I catch one. I don't guide that way. To me, it's the customer's trip. So when I get a chance, when I get to go out and do my own fishing, I mean, I'm up at, even though I'm on vacation, I'm up before the sun. And it's, I get up and I get out and I go. And, and it's just, it's a great place to do that, you know, because especially this time of year, by 10, 1030, you're going to get a lot of people out there doing other different water activities out there. And it's fun, you know, if you want to jump in your little tube or do some water skiing yourself, it's a great place for it. But if you really want to get that fishing done before 10 a.m., yeah, that water's just beautiful and pristine, and it's it's classic. Before we leave the Parker Strip, what were some of the lures that you used uh, to be successful there? Well, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but believe it or not, <laughs> we're using some of those red cross. Oh, and no then kidding. I realized, <laughs> then I realized that uh, those things are getting too torn up. I better save them. So, <laughs> well, you know, um, you know, one of the favorite food for smallmouth is crawdads and one of the reasons why the uh the smallmouth have done tremendously well in in the strip and uh, over there at lake havasu is because there's a tremendous crawdad population so it makes sense oh absolutely absolutely so uh what i ended up doing too the doe john is they 
this, like, again, the water's a lot cooler than normal, so they weren't bedded up like they were up on the lake. Uh, on the lake, you can't go 10 feet without finding a bass bed, whether it's green or brown bass or whatever. But down on the river, they they weren't quite doing that yet. They were still kind of pre-spawn. So I found a couple things that were really good. Reaction baits were really good. Uh, jerk baits, I used just a variety. I just kept going back and forth between a couple different TD minnows and Yozuris and uh, a couple other big spoon bill baits that I've got, some uh, Lucky Craft big, big Lips, I think some Stacy's that I had. You know, so I, I kept going back and forth between various ones to get different water depths and ranges. And then uh, my dad uh, met us there. He lives in Casa Grande now. And he was, I had him going on uh, Western Plastics, just that little uh, three-inch swim tail that I like throwing here on our base, that lime gold oh, yeah. one that's just such a classic. And he was doing really well. As a matter of fact, I think he got the biggest bass on both days was on that lure. So he did really well. Great. Now, hey, hey. well, we're talking about a lot of people being on Easter break, maybe looking forward to fishing the bays or anything like that. I know you've kind of been on vacation. Uh, uh, what do you hear that's happening out there right now? Well, I'm hoping that uh, the fish that I left when uh, before vacation, because I've worked all the way up until the last minute there, I'm hoping that they're still happening the way they were. And we were seeing a lot of bonefish activity. Uh, the bass are kind of scattered around in the bays, and we've got a lot of leopard shark and bat ray activity going on. So it's a typical uh, spring-summer draw that we could expect. Um, I haven't uh, been out much more than just around the kelp beds and reefs, so when I left, uh, we were still getting a lot of bass and seeing a few barracuda move in, and, but while I was gone, I kept starting to see more and more pictures of yellowtail. So I'm hoping, <laughs> I think I've got a trip later on this week to go uh, on our local kelp, so hopefully I get to get to go out there and experience that with my customers, get them on some of that stuff. Boy, it's it's all sounding good. And Jim, there's also been an exceptional calico bass bite out there. Uh, we heard right in front of the pipe there at Point Loma, the 55 feet. They were just a lot of bass out there. They were they were hitting the jigs and you know that that little the red crab bait. Yeah, they were doing that, but getting out there and then also. Uh, around, uh, you know, Whistler Buoy uh, doing okay. And then inside the bay, I happened to notice that just before you left, it seemed like, were you targeting them, or was that just what your clients were going after? You were actually starting to pick up some bonefish. We were picking up bonefish, and we were, we were after them, and, uh, and we were getting them. And they're right in the predictable area. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to waypoints, John. I'm going to waypoints that are on my graph that should be bonefish, and bada boom, bada bing, there they were. So it's uh, it's happening. It's pretty good. And All it's, right. It's just pre- the, I love it when it gets predictable. It almost makes me look like I know what I'm doing, and that really helps. <laughs> well, Captain Jim, if uh, someone wants to see your schedule, if they want to book with you, find out uh, what's happening when, not only in the next few weeks, but maybe even, you know, out this coming summer, they're planning a trip to San Diego or wherever it is, or they have guests coming in that uh, they want to look good themselves and take someone on out on a half day or even a full day trip right now. How's the best way to go about getting in contact with you? Well, they can always reach me at the website, eFishIcon.com. There's also a link, I understand, at the uh at the website here for Rod and Reel Radio, so you can always check it out there and listen to a few podcasts. Uh, 
or repeats, as I think we call them. Anyway, <laughs> and you can always give me a call. Good old-fashioned telephone, 619-395-0799. All right, Captain James Nelson, the fish icon. Jim, I know uh, Easter is a special holiday for you and the family. We want to thank you very much for you taking some time away to be with us. Uh, good luck in your preparations for this weekend. We look forward to speaking to you next week live on Rod and Real Radio. Always a pleasure, John. Thanks again for having me. I can't wait to tell you about how this week went. All right. Take care. Well, that's it for the first hour of Rod and Real Radio, but don't go away. There's still a lot more coming on up. We're going to have with us the 1988 BASS Angler of the Year. We're going to have a fellow that has as many wins on the tour, maybe more, as Kevin Van Dam himself. You're going to want to hear all about it. Rick Clun is going to be with us, so stay tuned. Wendy and I will be back after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks no matter what you're hauling or towing for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert now get special savings on every f-series truck in stock 150s 250s 350s at el cajon ford we have commercial trucks too including the all-new transit connect finally a commercial van with great mileage helping your business get moving again el cajon ford worth the short drive from anywhere in southern california broadway and east main and el cajon or online anytime anywhere at el H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakey fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons and outsmart the ravenous river otter. I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes, and I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum. 
We are Performance Tune. You can get your quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or Anglers Arsenal in La Mesa at 619-466-8355. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Southern California, welcome to the second hour of Rod and Reel Radio. Wendy Toshahara is with me tonight. Stan Vandenberg is off on some family business. will be with us next week. You know, our next guest has been a hero to bass fishermen for longer than we can remember. He was and is the Bassmaster Classic Champion in 1976, 77, 1984, and 19. 19- 90. He was the 1988 BASS Angler of the Year. He's qualified for 28 consecutive Bassmaster Classic Championships. And just last week, he won his 15th Tour Championship at the St. John's River in the Bassmaster Elite Series. The guy we are pleasured to have here on the show, Mr. Rick Klum. Rick, welcome to Rod and Reel Radio. Thank you. I I can't tell you what a privilege it is to, to have you and speak to you. We've had the opportunity to speak a lot of times when you're fishing out here in the West. Uh, man, Rick, it seems like you have been fishing forever and you have been competitive for that long too. But tell us about some of the early days of fishing, how you got involved and, and how you got involved especially in pro fishing and what it was like uh, then compared to now. Well, yeah, now it's, I guess it's been about as long a road as anyone currently fishing has been on. I uh, actually caught my first bass on an artificial lure. Now looking back, I didn't really catch it. It caught me because I've been chasing them ever since. But I caught it at Pine Lake in California. My grand, my mom's side of the family was living in Fresno. I actually was born in just outside of Fresno back then in a little place called Raisin City. And uh, But we were back visiting them, and... Uh, my dad didn't have enough room in the boat, and I kind of got upset, so he gave me his favorite rod and, and had a red and white Lucky 13 tied on it and said, just fish on around the bank here, and I'll come back and pick you up, and we'll all go out fishing. We'll make a long story short. They uh, they went out, and I was walking the bank, and finally, like most kids, got bored, but the, I'd thrown the bait out there, and all of a sudden I heard this explosion, and I looked up in time just to see this green fish with gills flared and this red and white lure sitting on his nose coming out of the water, and it, I didn't even reel. It scared me so bad, I just took off running and drug the poor fish out on the bank, and they came off about two feet out of the water, started flopping back toward the bank, and I looked like this NFL linebacker flying through the air after a fumbled football, landed on top of the poor fish, and from that point on, I've kind of been chasing fish ever since, and I was about six years old at that point in time. Holy mackerel. Well, what, uh, tell us a little bit about how you evolved into a pro angler, and it, did that develop out here in the West, or did you have to go back East and hone that trade? Well, no. My parents, after I was born, we, we moved to, they moved to Texas. I was only three months old, and so I've lived in Texas most of my life. Now I live in Missouri for the last 20 years, but the first 50 years or so I was in Texas. And uh, we, my dad was... My dad, was, you'll hear his name mentioned several times, was an avid fisher and hunter, and he always took me with him, and we were always saltwater fishing or freshwater fishing. And, 
And I'll never forget, we were out on the Galveston jetties in saltwater one time, and we were by ourselves anchored, and we hooked these two redfish. And uh, and by the time we back then and still now, it, it was in saltwater all too often, the pattern was called the old bent rod pattern, and several boats were driving by saw us. And by the time we could try to land a fish, at least eight or nine boats pulled in on top of us and anchored, and both of our fish went into the anchors. And, and broke off, and my dad just went ballistic. I mean, he said, this is it. I'm never fishing saltwater ever again. And all the way back to the boat ramp in the boat, and then all the way from the ramp to home, I heard every cuss word that I'd ever known <laughs> in, in, in the history. <laughs> Some I didn't know existed. But uh, And about two weeks, three weeks after that, he said, hey, there's this brand-new lake called Sam Rayburn Reservoir up in East Texas. You know, we're pretty good fishermen. They say they're catching a lot of fish. And so we went up there, and we fished for two days and didn't get a bite. Mm. And uh, typical to most fishermen, we were about to head home at the boat ramp and uh, going through all the excuses why the fish weren't biting. It was the last thing you were going to do is blame yourself. But about that time, I heard this noise coming, and all these strange-looking little boats with front-end steering I'd never seen before. About eight of them pulled up to the bank, and they set up these scales, and they all had on the same blue-looking jumpsuit. And I had no clue. I said, what? But what caught my eye was that two of them, this was 15 fish limit days in Texas, two of them pulled up, 15 fish limit, dragging them up to the scales on stringers. No live wells back then. And uh, I just said, and we'd just gone through all the reasons the fish weren't biting. So obviously <laughs> you had to kind of choke that down. And But I just got, became fascinated. How did they catch those fish? And it ended up being a bass club called the Pasadena Bass Club, which was only at that time about 15, 20 miles from where I lived. They invited me to join the club. I did. That's what introduced me to competition, and I loved it. I loved the learning element of it, how it, how it speeded up your learning process more than just the, the, the winning of it. So that's kind of how I got in, went from recreational into competitive fishing. And then in March of 1974, I quit my job at Exxon Oil Company and decided I, I wanted to try it at the, at the national level, and that was BASS at that time. I'd done well in the state. I'd, I'd, I'd been second in the in the individual championship in the state of Texas, which there was over 1,200 anglers in that at that time. It was called the Texas, you know, top Texas uh, state bass championship, and so that gave me the confidence. I thought that I could compete, and and I, I made the classic my first year, and like you said, 28 straight years in a row before I missed one. My gosh! Now, the first classic uh, uh, you won was in. 1976. Can you, can you still remember uh, that event and, uh, you know, the day when you were crowned uh, Bassmaster Champion? Yeah, I can. Uh, of course, the significance of it was really that I was broke at that time. Uh, I uh, didn't even have money to get to the Classic. Uh, we'd lost our house. My wife and I both had good jobs. I had one at Exxon. She had one at Tenneco. And uh, we had lost in short periods of time, we lost the house. The only way we moved into a small rent house, and uh, where I was trying to start a guide service, uh, which nobody knew who you were, so nobody was calling you. And um, but uh, that was my third classic, and to get to it, I had to hawk my Browning automatic uh, deer rifle uh, because bass can bass would pay your whole way once you got to the city. Back then, it was a secret tournament. And they, we, we all had to meet in New Orleans, and then once you got 30,000 feet in the air, they'd tell you where you were going. 
So I had to hock that deer rifle just to get to New Orleans. But once I got there, it was all paid for. And then, of course, then history takes over. I end up winning that event and uh, and then winning the next one and following year in 77. And then the guiding phone rang off the wall. Uh, people, everybody wanted to fish with me. Sponsors showed up. So it went from, it, I mean, it just went 360 as far as the financial side of it was, from broke to, you know, being, as an angler, being as in good a shape as anyone. You know, if you had not won that first event with the situation that you were in, do you think you would have kind of hung it up and said, you know what, eh, maybe uh, going for the security of a 9-to-5 job is uh, what I should be doing? Well, no, I don't. I know I knew that answer, and that was the scariest part of that time frame was because when I quit Exxon, I had gone to college enough to know that in small business administration, they said, you know, you got any new business, you should give it at least three years before you make a definitive decision. And that's what I basically told myself when I quit my job at Exxon. I was going to give this three years, and then I could always go back to systems and computing work. That's what I was doing. I was working in the second largest computing center in the world at that time. Only NASA was bigger. And so it, I was in the up-and-coming industry. So I felt, well, yeah, I'll go back to this, but even at my lowest point, I knew that was a lie. I mean, when I lost everything, really, the only money we had was what my wife was still making to put a little bit of food on the table and rent. A lot of the tournaments I went to, I had enough money to get the tournament, but if I didn't cash in the tournament, I didn't have enough to get back home. And so, but I, and under with that all going on, I knew that I would never go back. I knew that I was somehow, some way, no matter what it was going to take, I was going to do it because this is what I loved. I knew, I mean, the, the freedom of it. There's nothing like all of a sudden nobody can tell you when to take your vacation. Nobody can tell you when to take a coffee break. Nobody can tell you. I mean, you're now in complete control of your destiny. And, uh, and that, was, that was so fascinating. Plus, I knew I was getting better. And I, I knew I was learning, uh, you know, at a, at a rapid rate uh, because of my success of making the classics. I've been making them, you know, and I knew, it was, I felt like it was just a matter of time. But uh, you know, who knows, you know. No, I wouldn't have quit. I don't know what, how we would have. Like I said, we had gotten, we'd lost the, the we'd, we'd gotten out from our financial burden of mortgage and all that, the wrong way to do it, but I got out of it and was just paying a little $125 a month rent house on the lake. So we were going to survive, but it wasn't going to it'd just be by the skinny skin of our teeth. But fortunately, we didn't have to, to endure that longer than that first three years. Rick, uh, we'll be talking about your latest victory on the St. John's River here in, in just a little bit. But going back to 1976 when you won the Bassmaster Classic 1977, what what was the gear and the lures that you used at that time to be successful? Well, ironically, uh, it was a square bill was where I caught. Back then, it was a ten fish limit, and I caught twenty seven fish in three days, and twenty twenty three of them. Let me see, get this right here. Seven, uh, twenty twenty two of them came on a little uh, square bill. And a lot of people think of square bills as kind of a modern-day bait. Uh, you know, after Kevin, I mean, it amazed me how many people after Kevin won the Classic down in New Orleans won the square bill, thought that, this, that hey, the square bill is kind of a new bait, when it's been around forever. 
the reason it never went mainstream, that most of them were homemade. They were balsa wood, and they were homemade. They were hard to get. They were not very durable. They cost a lot. Even back in those time frames of 60s and 70s, they would still cost you 25 to 50 bucks a piece. And, uh, and then, again, they wouldn't last very long. It was only when, you know, I designed some lures for Lucky Craft and then Lucky Strike that we actually got some very good hard plastic square bills because the industry was not successful at duplicating wood baits there for a long, long time. But uh, so that, and but my five biggest came on a big spinnerbait, which is still one of my favorite baits to fish. You know, one of the U.S. Opens on a spinnerbait. And, uh, and it, but my, it only had five bites on it, but they were all my big ones. My, you know, a 715, a 68, a 64, uh, two, two four and a half pounders, you know. But, uh, so that was, uh, the two lures, and it's, uh, and they still, those still lures still, you know, work well for me nowadays. Right. You know, uh, it's just amazing. And, and the, even the boats you were working then, you know, we've got great electronics that, people are using now were those boats set up with electronics at that time oh yeah they had uh you know the very first classic was out in the off part of the country uh lake mead that bobby murray sure. won. now those were kind of a uh, kind of a strange one because they they were inboard outboards which never quite made it but i know they were basically bass boats that had by then had live wells you know had the decent depth finders on them uh you know they weren't the computer Freaks of that depth finders are nowadays, but uh, still they were, they did they got the job done. They had good good quality troll motors. They had all the essentials. Uh, so no, it was a uh, uh, you know it was an important tool and it was a very good tool even back then. You know, back in uh, your first Bassmaster Classic that you won in uh, 1976, do you recall what the first place prize was for that? Mm, I think it was. Uh, Twenty-five thousand. Yeah. yeah, so think, that helped. But, uh, that's like you said. You're going back a ways. Right. I know what I do know is that when a guy wins a classic now, obviously he wins more than I have than I won in all four. So, but uh, you know, it's I don't look at the money side of it as much as probably should have, but as much as some people do, uh, because I, you know, I, I just look at what an opportunity that I was fortunate to even have that opportunity and. And back then, you know, uh, to make uh, even 10000 in a tournament, one tournament, was about a year's salary in anything else you were doing. We're speaking with uh, pro angler Rick Clun. Rick, we've got to take a break right now. Can we get you to stay on for another segment, please? Sure. All right. Hey, Wendy and I speaking with pro angler Rick Clun. Stay tuned. There's still more Rod and Reel Radio to come after these messages. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. 
H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. Welcome back to Southern California. Wendy and I want to welcome you. We've got, uh, it's our privilege to have Elite pro angler Rick Clun with us, and and Rick, one of the one of the questions I I, I really been meaning to ask you, uh, you know, I, I've known of you for a long time. I we've seen you out here on the West Fishing uh, uh, Lake Mead. Um, your your approach to fishing is much different uh, in many ways than a lot of the other anglers. In fact, it has even been described as a a holistic philosophy for catching bass. Uh, What's meant by that? Well, I uh, really, uh, basically, I think as a human, as human beings, uh, we're un- we're fortunate but unfortunate that we live in a society that kind of encapsulates us and protects us from a lot of things that if you lived in the real jungle, uh, you wouldn't be protected from. But what that cost us 
is the loss of sensory abilities. Uh, you know, you look at the fish, everybody goes to the bass, is it smart? Well, intelligence well, it depends on how you define intelligence. But if intelligence is using your senses to their highest level, then it's a lot smarter than we are. Uh, because humans, as a rule, we, we are kind of, uh, kids are always asking me back when they were young, are there real zombies? And I said, yeah, they are. Basically, a zombie is something that has very little sensory abilities. And I said, and then humans, unfortunately, and especially have evolved to where we don't even taste the food we eat. We don't really smell things around us. Uh, we Our touch of feel is kind of, you know, in the, in the back seat. We don't really... And my point is we're using our senses at a very low level. But so what fishing does for me was it was a vehicle to to really take my senses to another level. And it was necessary to to understand and all the ever-changing conditions. The most important thing as an angler is first you've got to know the science and then you've got to execute that science on the water, the science of fishing. But, but the problem with all of that is, and this is where the mental part comes in, is that that's all old data. And the most important thing beyond that for a fisherman is to be in the moment. In other words, to be responding to absolutely current conditions and current situations and, and, and feeling and not only knowing the natural rhythms, but feeling them in, as, as they're happening. And to do that, you have to take your senses to a heightened level. Uh, you know, and, and, and in the beginning, it takes practice. And it takes continued practice because we're constantly bouncing, even as an angler, I'm bouncing in and out of that natural world back into the man-made world. And... Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, you got to practice going from wide-angle vision to focus vision. you got to practice smelling and identifying the smells. That when you're on the water, you, your sense of feel is, even long before depth finders, was your contact to what was under the water and how your bait was working correctly or incorrectly and what was it coming over. And, uh, and so, basically, you know, I'm trying to get to clo- as close to, to those fish using their senses fully as I possibly can and when I'm working at my highest level, I knew that was always true. And the thing that you discover when you get to that highest level is what I call 360 court awareness, like a Michael Jordan would have, uh, is that you're actually, you know things before they're going to happen. And just, you know, so it, and, I, and that fascinated me in my career. So once I really started discovering it, then I really got into a lot of, things to try to understand it a lot better and to achieve it, you know, uh, and, to, and to maintain it. So what's really interesting about that is, is, you know, people laugh at me when I'm out there fishing and, and, I, and I, whether it's freshwater or saltwater, and I'll sit there and, I'll, and I can tell you whether or not I'm smelling bait or whether or not I'm smelling larger fish. You, you, can, you can actually smell the oils from the fish when you're out there in the water. No, absolutely. You remember the little bass I caught in Pine Lake, the first one I landed on top of? I'll never forget the smell of that fish. And when I, if I catch a fish and sometimes you'll just kind of, the first one of the day you kind of smell of it, it immediately provokes that memory. And it provokes everything that surrounded that memory. And if it does that, then it's, it's provoking in me all the other situations that I have been have an experience where you know where so smell is just not smelling something. It's, prov- it's provo- provoking memories. It's provoking 
you know, right. conditions and data and all of that. So, you know, it's, I know when people say, hey, you know, well, we, we all know in saltwater fishermen that they always promoted the idea of smelling the bait fish in, in some direction. There was obviously a huge school of tuna or something, you know, taking bait fish to the top and, make, and creating an oil slick and making that. So this is just all part of, of you know, the ultimate predators are do the same thing as ultimate as the prey does. They must use all their senses to their constant ability, or they don't survive. Prey are predators, right? right. And you're using your eyes. You're looking for for the birds working, or you know, signs of of you know of uh, other options that the, you know that would give you a signal that the that the bass are there. And, and and I can tell you many many anglers and anglers don't realize that we again our vision tends to be tunnel vision. And it's, there's a thing called blind spots in fishing that I have always tried to teach people that you've got to quit doing, creating blind spots. And we do it even if you, in, in the morning, if any of you drive to same from work to home to work to home, in the morning, look at things you don't look at. Because we are in bad habits, we're in habits. We, we look at this and we look at that and we look at this nice picture on that billboard and we look at this pretty building. But what we're doing, we're creating blind spots. Fishermen do the same thing. When they're going down the lake, they're, they're, they're passing judgment on the water. They're going, good spot, bad spot, good spot, bad spot. And we all tend to do that because we all are, are, are operating from the same science. What creates a good spot? You know, habitat, pads, broken rock. But anything that doesn't fall in that category becomes a blind spot, something you don't even see. My greatest victory is weight-wise, 1984 on, the, on, the, on Pine Bluff, Arkansas, was a blind spot, a spot that even the locals that had three generations of locals that Nobody fished there, and, wow. and, they, and they don't. They ask me why I fish there, because I'm constantly trying to understand my vision and how it's working. You know, a flipper, a flipper, a guy like D. Thomas, he's he's got focus vision. He sees the minute detail of crawfish hose and the brim under the. He knows the, under the boat dock, but he doesn't see that schooling fish you were talking about behind him because he's in a focus vision. So I practice going in. I'm a caster. I tend to be more wide angle vision. Uh, and less focus, but I make myself go into focus and back into wide angle, back into focus. So these are all things, again, that you would naturally do if you, uh, in fact, in one, of the, one of the things that brought that in Vietnam more, one of the things I constantly heard from my friends that came back from Vietnam was how horrific it was, but yet they were more alive than they'd ever been in their life. Well, we are speaking with pro-angler Rick Clunn. Now, Rick, let's fast forward to the uh, opening of the Bassmaster Elite Series in 2016. It's been, you know, truthfully a little while since you've had a win. Uh, you know, you're, you're on the tour. You're, you're, you're one of the legends of the sport. How did you approach this tournament and tell us how it progressed for you? Well, you know, it's, Again, one of the interesting studies uh, is sports and how everyone in sports go through these peak periods and the very best have a, a stretch usually 10, 15 years, depending on the sport, whether at their high of their, of their profession. And, of course, you know, I experienced that. But all, like all things, it, the peaks sometimes end. And, uh, and it, so, you know, and, yeah, and then you don't, you're not performing at that high level that, that you were, and then you start, a lot of things start to erode at that point, whether it's motivation, a lot of people want to blame it on age, uh, you know, 
but uh, to me, it's, it's life it gets busy. Other you, your priorities change. Uh, but but the thing I've known, I've known, and there is actually a, a science to why I haven't been winning, and I've known it for some time, for four or five years, and I've been trying to change it. But it's but it's very difficult to change something that's been successful. Essentially, I had to change what's been successful for me for most of my career, and to do that, it's been very difficult to do. But I've been that's basically I'm getting where I'm getting closer to making that change. I did it in the last open event of the year. Uh, at, at both shows, I mean at Table Rock this year, last year at BASS, and then I've, I've, I've stuck with that same approach at, at uh, St. John's, and hopefully I, I will be able to, you know, perform at a cons- more consistent level. But it's a completely different approach than I used the, the first part of my career. Well, tell us a little bit about what happened on on the St. John's River, because uh, you know a little bit about your pre-fish. And on the first day of the event, I think you were like in 38th place, which you know with a uh, uh, 150 fishermen isn't bad, but still isn't where you want to be. Well, you know, it's uh, the pattern was kind of unfolded for me. Uh, Late the second day of practice, and then the third day of practice. But our third day is a short day of practice. We've got to go to the meeting to find our partners for the first day. And I only really had one area. And so once the tournament started, and this is a pretty typical tournament, for, you know, for tournaments, but I, I fished my primary area, and then I got a, a decent limit. And then I started, I knew I had to expand this area if I was going to survive for four days. So I started practicing and looking for this similar type water. And I found another key area, which I caught my biggest fish of that day and right at the end of the day and had those 16-something pounds. The third day, I uh, kind of went through the same procedure again and uh, caught, you know, and, but, I, but and again, but a lot of my success was controlled by rain and wind. If I had to rain and wind, that these bass are mostly spawn mentality down there would take a brief rest from spawning and try to go into a, a little short feeding spree, and that's when I could catch the big ones. I didn't get that the second day. And so uh, I caught one big one right in the low light early in the morning, but then after that it was sunny. And then the third day I got the conditions I needed, and I had more water by then. And uh, and the conditions, the wind switched from the south to the northeast with the front coming and cloud covering wind and rain came in. And I knew that was the ticket for these females to quit thinking about sex and get eat a little bit so they started feeding and i got them all real quick in, in that in that little time frame and it was similar the fourth day was similar to the second day that I, we didn't get that conditions except right off the bat in the morning i had that condition and fortunately i took advantage of it and caught three big ones that gave me enough to win the event now on that uh, on that faithful day where you just really crashed through the uh, the ceiling uh, what were you fishing with and had you changed from what you had been using earlier in the tournament, or did all of a sudden everything, as you say, just kind of click, and it was uh, you all were reading from the same page? No, I was pretty much fishing two two baits. On the sunny days, I was throwing just blind casting a a, a black ringworm with a blue tail because they wouldn't react to my fast bait. On the, but on those little brief windows of cloud cover and or early in the morning, in when I got rain. I would go, it, it's a chatterbait type bait, you know, everybody nowadays, you know, I'm, I make my own version because the chatterbait's hook and, and uh, uh, the way you tie onto it is will not handle the size fish I was catching. You're going to make a mistake and lose one or two, and that would cost you a tournament. 
But it's basically a chatterbait that I've got a better hook in and a better tie point on. And then I had a swim bait on the back of it, you know, and, and which is basically the California influence. You know, we got an eastern bait with a California swim bait on the back. And I started with a lucky strike, but I didn't have very many swim baits with me. I don't normally fish those down in Florida. And so I kind of progressed through multiple swim baits during the event. But the key was just that type of bait. It was a shad shiner type bait, which is a notorious good big bass bait in Florida. Well, wow. now... It's the last day of the tournament. You're standing in line to come to the weigh-in. You, you're you're waiting to get into the arena. Obviously, there's always all kinds of cheering and whooping up and everything else like that. What was going through your mind at that time? Well, we, you know, at that time, we still didn't really know what the other contestants had, so you're still being very conservative with your emotions because you've been down this trail too many times. Don't, don't get, you know, until you have, you know, what the other guy has. <laughs> You know, it, basically everything at that point is out of your control. You know, you've done everything you can do, and you just got, you just got to be at peace with that, no matter how it turns out. Uh, the only thing that was the, the, was that my son was there, and and uh, and the one thing that kept sticking in my mind was the last time I had a chance to win a BASS event. He was right there on the railing, looking up, and when he when I, I'll never forget the disappointment in his face when I didn't have quite enough weight to win that tournament. So this was that was really what was on my mind. That's the biggest thing that's changed from that win to the other wins in my career is that that I, I don't win for me. And in, in my early career, it's very selfish. Yeah, you, any great athlete, I don't care what he's doing, what he's doing is number one. Everything else is number two. Even the most important things in life that shouldn't be number two are. And but I'm at that stage where that's no longer true. Um, winning was for him. And my wife and my and my and my family. Uh, it's not for me any longer. That my you know, fishing is not number one anymore. And that's also why I probably don't perform at a level, you know, at that high level. But I still love it, and that's why I still like to do it. Hey, uh, uh, Rick, we got to take one more break. Uh, can we come back for a couple of minutes and just ask sure. you a couple more questions? Let sure. you go. Okay. Hey, Thank you, Rick. We are speaking with pro angler Rick Clunn. He's telling us a little bit about his career and his win last week on the St. John River. Stan, he's off right now, but Wendy and I will be back after these messages. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gumkatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gumkatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gumkatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gumkatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. 
just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for Bass Boat Insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. My angler h 2 Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate talk like a pirate day. Aye. I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. And Wendy and I, we do want to welcome you back to Rod Reel Radio. We are speaking with BASS Elite Pro Angler, Rick Klun. And, and Rick, uh, that must have been a fantastic feeling that uh, after going, you know, for a fairly long time without a win, all of a sudden you're up there in the winner's circle and your son and your wife, it must have given you great satisfaction because they've got to be your biggest fans. Well, yeah, and that's what we often forget. We often forget what our who we, what our support systems are, and the most important ones, you know. And the number one, and I can most anglers will admit this, is their family, and the sponsors would be number two. Uh, but uh, no, it, it was I. That that third day when I had the thirty-one pounds, they were flying in because it was his spring break. This was already pre-planned long before the knowledge of mm-hmm. I might win this tournament. And they just landed, and so I'm stalling. And Bass is saying, Doug, you need to put your fish in. And I kept getting all these other guys, hey, talk longer this time when you get on the stage, because they're trying to get from the airport to there. And they got there with just with like 10 minutes left before I would have to weigh in. So yeah, that, 31 pounds and all, if, he had, if they hadn't made it, he hadn't got to help me, I would have been very, very disappointed. So that was definitely what it was about with me. What a great moment to share. Now, now tell us, after this win, has your phone been ringing, and maybe you've heard from some people you haven't heard from in a little while? Well, this is my first social media win, like I said earlier, and yes, the phone has been ringing, but the phone used to because that was the only form of media there was, but now it's the Facebook going off the wall and the emails going off the wall and Messenger going off the wall. Yeah, they're they're taking advantage of every contact method that's available, and it's it's amazing. I've I heard a stat brought up by one of my sponsors that I might have gotten more coverage in this win than all my other wins put together, I, due to the social media effect of it. I can see that. Hey, I I I've just got a, a note to talk about social media. Uh, you happened to mention that uh, one of the keys to this win was this change in your general approach. And I, I don't want you to give away the whole philosophy, but uh, what exactly did that mean? Well, what it means is you'd have to know that my whole career, but I'll tell you very briefly. My whole career and my early success was based on the ability to get 40, 50 bites a day. I came from Texas, which was a 15-fish limit, Okay. Uh, all of our earlier tournaments were 10 fish, 7 fish limits, not 5. And and then I went into guiding to, to have something to do in between, and so that meant I had customers I had to put on 40, 50 bites a day. So I became an, an expert. I mean, I knew how to do that. 
but that's his two-pound fish. You don't do that with four. You don't give 40, 50 bites a day every day with big fish. So I basically became a master at two-pounders. Nowadays, I can weigh a limit of two-pounders every single day of every tournament in, in the elite of division, and I will not be in the top 50 at the end of the year. And I've known this that that was what was hurting me for a long time, but to Essentially, what that means in practice now, i got to give up 30 bites per day in practice. Give them up, okay? That means i got to give up the techniques I know that will produce those bites. And those are fun bites. Take away the business of it. I like to catch fish. They're sure. fun. But i got to give them up now. And so, but it, it's taken me two or three years, really, to develop a mental discipline and, it would, and courage to do that. Now you're, it's kind of like the, D. Thomas was the first one who showed us that, technique, that mental method. In other words, flipping was a technique that he didn't care if you got 25 bites a day on a small crankbait because he was looking for five to eight bites a day with his technique was going to be the right fish. And that's kind of the way fishing is now. You've got to have that what I call the old flipping mentality. You've got to be willing to throw big baits, and you're not going to get as many bites, but when you do get one, it'll be the right fish. You know, and you're fishing against a field of competitors where – I've got a hazard to say the fishermen that are coming aboard now are a lot better than maybe the fishermen that started off in the in, in the 80s and stuff like that. It's tough. No, they're not. You don't think so? No, absolutely not. Because the one talent that they – now, if you just looked at it from mechanics and knowledge of techniques, uh, yes, I agree with you. But if you looked at it from their ability to locate fish on their own, no. They're not as good as the ones in the past. Wow. That's a profound statement. Because, again, that's that's the effect of social media. Nowadays, there's so much networking and there's so much quality information. Don't get me wrong. The old guys try to get information from other people, too, but it wasn't there. Now it is. In the old days, you'd go to a lake, and there might be one or two guys that really knew how to fish tournaments on that lake. Nowadays, there's 50 to 100 that can tell you that. And so, unfortunately for these young anglers, they are being forced to use that to some degree and and they're using it and they're not being they're not cheating or nothing they're staying within the rules but what that steals from them is their own ability to locate fish on their own and right now the only time they have to do that now is when you get a catastrophic event at the lake or on a lake like lake mead and you'll see the guys that know how to locate fish there because that's such a neutral lake yet there's no information that can help you on that lake but uh but that's, that's kind of, yeah, in some ways they are better, but in some ways they're, they're not. Well, speaking of Lake Mead, you've had great success out here in the West, and especially on Lake Mead with the uh, uh, One Bass Open uh, in 1983 and 1986. You won that. You, you've always done well in that event. Are, are we going to get an opportunity to see you out here in the West uh, uh, fishing an Open or, or <laughs> even with the Elite Series? I love the West. I mean, it's been really good to me. I mean, I won the, uh, my first hundred thousand dollar check was in the Red Man All American at Lake Havasu, mm-hmm. and then of course you mentioned the Lake Mead deals, and there's no more beautiful lake on the planet to me than Lake Plow, Lake Powell. And uh, so, I, yeah, and probably my, my my family. If you ask them what's their favorite tournament, it's the U.S. Open. And uh, but. I'm fighting fight every year with conflicts of schedule to, to, to fish it. You know, in the last several years, the, the the open is kind of strange, and it's a it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday tournament. Yeah, yeah. And that really throws a wrench into being able to fish it 
if you have any other tournaments that month. And so I just have to wait until we get a time frame where I don't have that or I'll be there. Right. Uh, one of the reasons uh, why it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is uh, Colville Bay being open uh, to the public and boating and launching and houseboats and everything like that. They don't want the congestion of the U.S. Open being there during the weekend. So the Open has evolved to a, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday event to uh, as a compromise with the um, uh, with the landing and and uh, uh, the tournament. So. And then you know, back uh, in the day, the uh, the tournament was in the hottest part of the uh, uh, the summer, and uh, in in July, and even when Harvey Naslin came on back uh, here a few years ago to run it, had it right after the um, uh, uh, the uh, the big iCast event, and you'd go right to that event, and a lot of people were going, "Man, it is just way too hot. Can you have it at another time of the year?" So. It, it's moved back to September, so it's just... And that's a great time of the year, September. Yeah, but always, I think I, though, that's what I loved about the Open. It's any time I wanted to see if if you still really loved what you did, go out and fish the Open in July and August, and if you still loved it, then you'd know, you'd forget the answer right there. <laughs> Rick, before we let you go, the sponsors that have helped get you to where you are today. Well, I, I don't have, you know, it surprises people, but I don't have the, the, the amount of sponsors that uh, a lot of guys do. I basically have been with Bass Pro Shop and Tractor Marine uh, Nitro Boats my, pretty much the last two-thirds of my career. And then Lucky Strike and, uh, is probably my only lure company that I've been with for the last 25 years. And then one of my all-time favorites is actually a California Coast company, Lobina Lures, who makes the Ricos out there in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. So... And that's really been it, and I, 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 like, I like that because I can do them justice. I used to kid Woo Days all the time, the reason he was so big and fat, so he could put more sponsor patches on his shirt, because <laughs> yeah. he had bigger shirts, you know. So, But, no, I, I tend, tend to crack up. They're great sponsors, but I keep them small. Well, Rick, I can't thank you enough. Is it your plan now uh, to fish all of the elite tournaments uh, this year again? Yeah, I, I've always fished all the elites, and I usually fish one division of the Opens. I don't fish the only ones I don't fish anymore are the FLWs. Uh, you know, again, it's due to the family, and my priority there has changed. And the FLWs is really good to me. I almost made a million dollars there in about five years of fishing them. So, but uh, it's just it. It's it's just time to cut back and get down to you know fourteen fifteen events a year at the most. Well, you know it, it's great to know at this point in time you're number one in points for angler of the year. You're number one for qualifying to go to the 2017 Bassmaster Classic. Uh, uh, you're on top of the pile right now. I hope you stay that way for the rest of the season, and we have an opportunity to talk to you again during the course of the year, and congratulate you on your great fishing. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Rick Clun, he is Bassmaster Elite Champion at the St. What's that? He was a BASS Champion at the uh, St. John's River. We want to thank Rick very much for being with us and also want to thank his wife, Melissa, for helping us set up the interview. Thanks, guys. Well, Wendy, man, uh, I, I didn't realize, and maybe I did, 
that uh, there was a lot more uh, to uh, fishing uh, than uh, just uh, seeing the bait dimpling or anything else like that. You actually can smell the oils. That <laughs> yes, is gr- I can. People laugh at me, and so it was great for him to say that because I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever accused you of being that. Well, Wendy, you know, we've had a busy a couple of three weeks and did some great interviews at at the Fred Hall Show, both in Long Beach and in uh, in Del Mar. And, uh, you know, it isn't that the shows are over yet. We've got one more event coming up April the 17th, Day at the Docks, and you and I are going to have the pleasure of being the MCs for that event. Yes, we are, and, you know, it's a great event. They have lots of things for people to do, for families to do. Not only can you visit all the boats and take a tour of them, and by the way, I have an all-ladies trip coming up on the Searcher, and I'm looking for ladies who are beginners and Lori and I were gonna, we'll take you from beginning to end and teach you how to cast, teach you how to bait a hook, teach you how to tie your knot. And Extra Tough is giving each lady a free pair of, um, Extra Tough boots. Oh man, that'll yeah, be neat. Yeah, so you can go, you can go today at the docks, go check out the searchers and look at the accommodations and see how the boat's laid out and, um, and, and see all the other boats, but not to mention, there's a lot of great organizations out there, nonprofits that that are going to be at at Day at the Docks, like the Burn Institute. Well, you know, to show you how much fun you're going to have in the searcher, isn't it, Captain Andy Cates that first came up with the concept of dunk the captain at uh, Day at the Docks? <laughs> yes, he is, and and every year I go over there and pay my money and throw softballs at him. Oh, man, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, you know, if you want to meet Wendy Toshar, are you going to be there uh, with Eisenline, Wendy? Uh, no, I'm going to be with you on the main stage. Oh, you're going over there? You're going to be the MCs. Well, make sure that you come up and say hello to Wendy and and also be happy to say hello to Hop Wong when you're there. And We'll try to guide you in the right direction. You know, uh, Vic Gamboa, Catherine Miller, have put together one heck of a uh, an open house, at, as they call it, there at the docks. It's actually a, a festival, and whether or not you are just a novice or you've never thought about going out fishing, Day at the Docks is the way to go. You can pick up a program, or Wendy and I, during the course of the event from 9 to 5 on April the 17th, will try and guide you in the right direction and keep you abreast of all the happenings there at Day at the Docks. Wendy, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a great time, and, and I love seeing all the families there, and not to mention listening to all the great music. Oh, for sure. That's a good part of it, too. And, you know, the other good part, it's free. So how can it's, you beat yeah. it? You can <laughs> you bring can. the kids. It's you can. Hungry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Wendy, thanks a lot. It's, it's great speaking to you again, and, man, I... I loved seeing you at the show and the time that we had a chance to get together. Some of the great interviews we did over there. If you want to listen to some of those interviews, just go to ronrealradio.com. Hit the archive page. We've got them all listed. And there are more interviews from the Fred Hall Show that we're going to play on April the 17th, since Wendy and I will be MC of the show there. 
We won't have the opportunity to do a live show, but we've kept a lot of great interviews in the can, so make sure you tune on to the show on that day. So, Wendy, thanks a lot. That's it for tonight. Well, we'll talk to you later. All right. Hey, on behalf of Jorge, our engineer at the AM540 Studios, Mr. Ben Harvey, who is our producer here in San Diego, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill Giesland and Eddie McCune, who really passed on to this uh, this uh, radio show, this great heritage that we have. We want to thank you all for taking some of your Sunday night this Thanksgiving evening to spend some time with us. Uh, I hope you had as good a time as we did putting it together. We look forward to speaking to you next Sunday night starting at 5.05 p.m. on AM540 or at ronrealradio.com for more Ron Real Radio. So on behalf of Stan, Wendy, and the entire crew of Ron Real Radio, go out this weekend, get them. They're getting away. We're out for now. Good night, everybody. Every time I go out to your place, you gone fishing. How are you, man?